Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Siéntate y Hablemos with El Centro for February. My name is Brian Segovia. My name is Alex Mejia. My name is Manny Sanchez. My name is Alanis Camacho. And we are all uh, student coordinators at El Centro, bringing you another month of Siéntate y Hablemos podcast, where we talk about many different topics impacting our local Latino community and around the world. Uh, so this month, we're celebrating Afro-Latinidad and Latin music. So, Manny, if you want to kick it off, go ahead. Yes, of course. Um, so today we're going to go over the topic of Afro-Latinidad and Latin music. Um, and as Black History Month is coming to an end, we wanted to celebrate and honor Afro-Latinos who have influenced the music world. Um, we're going through several different genres, uh, what we think about those genres, what we think about, you know, just general topics and, um, you know, how music has power and how it can influence many actions throughout, you know, culture. Um, so, yeah, I, I wanted to kick off this podcast and ask, um, when you think of Afro-Latinos in music, what do you think of? Yeah, when I think of Afro-Latinos in music, um, I don't know. I think, I definitely think there is a lot of influence in, like, African beats in Latino music. Uh, so it's usually what I think of immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think of like uh, reggae and the influence of Caribbean reggae, um, black communities around music. Um, my family being from Argentina, Uruguay, like uh, there's a big uh, black community in Uruguay and they have their own style of music um, that they produce um, with drums. And there's just like this infectious beat that I think of when I think of like black music and Latino music. So that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, going off that, I also, I like the influence that it has on different genres of music in, in Latin culture. Um, you know, that'd be salsa, that'd be uh, either bachata. Uh, you know, we have some famous artists that also played a part into that, but I really like that it goes back generations and generations of how uh, that music has influenced each other, which in my opinion is... Uh, pretty pretty interesting because combining two two unique styles of music to make something new is 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 pretty unique yeah awesome alanis what do you think um i guess the first thing that comes to mind um the first thing that comes to mind is kind of that intersectionality between like being like that black or african side of you and that latinidad which i feel like sometimes it's a bit confusing in our culture and like latino culture um so i like that it's just like a good opportunity to like um to kind of remember like where a lot of like our culture comes from um i don't know at least from like me being puerto rican i know that i'm a mix of like african spanish and indigenous communities so, yeah, when I think of Afro-Latinidad in Latin music, I kind of like to remember that part of my history. Okay. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, what I think when I think about Afro-Latinidad in Latin music is just having that energy that I, I think no other music has. I feel like, you know, having that energy in that music, the brass, the percussion, the, the power that, uh, you know, to have people dancing, to build a community. That's what I think about when I think about, um, you know, that type of music. Um, and it's always interesting to, like, 
look at the origins, look at the history, you know, where things came from, um, because, you know, that's what's going on now, you know. This music you're getting now, the reggaeton, the bachata, the salsa, it started somewhere. So, uh, you know, getting going over that is something I feel like everybody needs to understand to see where our culture is today. And so transitioning from that, uh, I wanted to highlight, you know, three genres that are, like, very popular in the uh, um, land culture. And those three genres are reggaeton, bachata, and salsa. And so, um, yeah, reggaeton, I mean, what biggest land genre right now? What do y'all think? For sure. No, definitely. <laughs> um, and it's good to remember, like, kind of where it came from, right? So... Um, reggaeton and I guess we'll get into bachata and salsa later but how those were censored as well um, but how reggaeton kind of came from this underground place um, I guess we could have that argument of where it came from you know it's an influence of a lot of different countries in, in the Caribbean and Panama um, but either way it was not viewed as something good it was used to like criticize governments and you know all the good stuff so the fact that it's like so worldwide now um, it's kind of amazing, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the influence of music on, you know, either be, you know, just joyful, um, you know, dancing, or it can also influence in, in politics. You can see the importance in, in each aspect in, in the community, in, in the country. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it was, uh, it was so it was underground in Puerto Rico and is a hip-hop in the United States. So you can see that in different even in different countries like that, you can see that the different influences in that too. So, so you want to go on? Um, and yeah, I like the point that you mentioned um, of how, oh, Alanis, uh, how you mentioned that it was kind of criminalized. Um, you know, I noticed that similarity in like each of these genres. One thing I didn't know about bachata is that they're the government of uh, the Republic, the Dominican Republic, uh, they had uh, a general who, you know, went against bachata. And because it was that type of music that, you know, was played in the bars um, and they focused more on merengue and they thought that was like their biggest uh, genre and they should focus on that instead. And so for decades, you know, bachata was seen as, you know, not important. Uh, and so knowing that about these genres and how, you know, these genres come from Afro-Latinx people, um, hip-hop has come from Afro-Latinx people but continues to be criminalized um, in this day and age. So uh, it's important to highlight how, you know, these artists in the beginning had such a difficult time, you know, bringing these genres up. Um, and, you know, celebrating that today is also, you know, key. Yeah, um, I think it's really interesting, honestly, um, specifically around bachata and especially related to the Dominican Republic, um, you know, being a country that has been kind of the crossroads of a lot of different cultures in the Caribbean um, and looking a little bit at the history, um, the Dominican Republic uh, was led um, by a dictator named uh, Trujillo. Uh, during the time when bachata was born, um, he uh, embraced and put merengue on a pedestal. Um, but he hated uh, bachata. Not only did he find it personally offensive, claiming it was a lower art form, he actually banned both the music and the dance completely. 
therefore, during his reign, bachata was only enjoyed in brothels. Um, and obviously, this didn't help his credibility, and it kept um, kept it from evolving uh, as other dance styles in the Dominican did during that time. Um, but even though the Trujillo reign, uh, reign ended, bachata was still looked down upon by the society. Um, but bachata and uh, the music kind of like identifies with revolution, with rebellion, and fighting for for people's rights. In the sense that Trujillo, you know, is one of the most intense dictators in in Central American history, um, and bachata is kind of the counteract to that. Um, and bachata music has experienced the same ups and downs that the dance um, has since the 1960s. It has had a fight for survival, just as the dance has. Aside from the fact that Trujillo was not a fan of bachata, the Dominican Republic was in love with salsa and merengue music and its birth as well. The love combined with Trujillo's hate led uh, to a dead-end street for bachata music for, and dance for many, for many years. However, this guitar-based music um, has indeed survived and continues to grow and thrive in popularity all over the world. So there's a lot of... It, I think the one of the things that's interesting about... Um, you know, Afro, you know, influence in, in dance and music is um, a lot of times people, minorities, can't um, express themselves vocally. And so they have to find ulterior ways of being able to express themselves. And so they do it via music and dance. Um, and especially as a person that I did research a little bit um, into um, minority representation last year, I realized that um, that music is like the biggest way that you can go back into the past and kind of find ar artifacts of um, these minority voices that weren't listened to. And um, it's still influencing what we love today. So that's pretty cool. And kind of the fact that, I mean, I feel like I can still see that like present day, that, that stigma around like bachata. I don't know, like growing up in Puerto Rico, like my family didn't listen to a lot of bachata. It was just kind of like, now that I'm thinking about like kind of reading about the story or the history of bachata, um, similar to reggaeton, it's just looked like so like such like a dirty thing or um, and it, it might have been something that I could have internalized too. And like a lot of people and at least where I'm from, like internalize as well. And you never realize where this kind of like originates from. And it's usually racism. And it's just so interesting how so many things in life like go back to that, you know. Yeah, I feel like learning the history on and everything but mostly you know the music where it came from and where it originated from is is important and we should never overlook that in 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 that aspect um so when we go through each you know each uh, category you know we want to view the the history behind it we want to see where it came up and the struggles and the up and downs because to this point in our society these you know we express these these uh these ways of dancing um to express ourselves to express the music express our personality um, so now that we went to the history, um, maybe a little bit more up-to-date um, history on bachata. So in 1992, Juan Luis Guerra solidified bachata's place in the music industry when he was awarded the Grammy for Bachata Rosa. Later, Aventura stayed on top of the food chain in Latino markets globally with their single um, Obsesión, which is another bachata tune. And most, I'm, hopefully everyone has heard that song. Well, great song. If you haven't, really go check it out. Uh, there are many other noble artists, um, you know, that did bachata. Um, there's a bunch of them that we play in at Centro as well uh, <laughs> uh, that we haven't listened here, but um, go listen to it because bachata, in my opinion, um, is my favorite uh, genre of music. Um, the dance moves. It's a simple four-step, but you can honestly 
bring all your type of style into it, you know. Um, so that's why I like bachata in general because you bring your personality to it. So, Manny, you want to talk about salsa? Yeah. So salsa is very popular, especially here in the states. Um, it was based on Afro-Cuban music, but incorporated elements of other Latin American styles. Uh, it developed largely in New York City beginning in the 1940s and the 50s, though it was not labeled salsa until the 1960s. Uh, it peaked in popularity in the 1970s in conjunction with the spread of Hispanic culture identity. The term salsa also refers to a dance that is associated with the music. And I believe, I mean, salsa is like the hardest dance that I can dance. Like, okay, it's I so totally hard agree. dancing salsa. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, so the roots of salsa, I mean, salsa in Spanish is sauce. I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah, <laughs> English is sauce. That's a good word. <laughs> um, and so combining elements of the Spanish guitar playing tradition with the rhythmic complexity and call and response vocal tradition <laughs> of African musical sources, the song originated in rural eastern Cuba and spread to Havana in the first decades of the 20th century. Um and so, you know, when you think about salsa music, um, well, what I think about is just, you know, the dance piece. Uh, when you play, like, at any event, uh, any party, uh, it's something that, you know, you may not know how to dance it, but it gets your body moving. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, And um, not even, like, just the dancing, but the, with the lyrics, like... They they even talk about like the African experience in countries like Colombia and Puerto Rico and Cuba, whatever. Um, what's this song that I'm trying to think of? Like, um, oh my God, is it? Car it's not Carnaval. It's so it made me think of this song called Rebelión de Joe Arroyo, um, a Colombian artist. He's literally talking about um, how this African man he was a slave. He was crying because they were going to beat his African, um, like, his wife. Mm -hmm. They were both slaves at the time. And it's a song where, like, you can dance it at parties. But if you listen to the lyrics, it said so much about, like, our history as Latinos. And, you know, that aspect of Afro-Latinidad and how they're literally retelling, like, a Colombian story through music. Um, and it's probably not the only song that talks about, you know, slavery in that sense. So definitely check that song out. Very sad, but very <laughs> entertaining. Um, <laughs> also Inter entertaining, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That goes to like a bunch of music. Like, uh, you know, music, even now, like, you know, what, name some artists right now, like Bad Bunny. You know, you, you, you think of these songs and you read the lyrics. No, and Juan Liguera as well. And yeah, said we get around. If you think about Juan Liguera and like, I don't know, I thought El Niagara Bicicleta, like the first one. He's literally talking about lack of resources in a hospital and how he's about to die and like how trying to survive whatever he's going through is like trying to cross the Niagara Falls with a bicycle. Like they're always criticizing something in these it, songs and it's so it it's very has, interesting to listen to. It always has a deeper meaning. You know, you, you listen to these songs and you dance to it, but you never know what you're dancing to, mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like learning to know what you're dancing to and why they're making this type of music. Uh, one, I mean, yeah, to to get to people dance and everything. But if you really deep down look at the lyrics, and it, they're telling a story, mm -hmm. um, and it's a way to be able to bring emphasis to what's happening in their society. And I, it, so I think it's important for the audience and the listeners to actually know what they're dancing to, listen to the lyrics, and, and understand the story that they're bringing to the table. No, yeah, of course, um, a very good point, and that. Um, 
you know, that context that you're getting from that music is what really moves people. Um, you know, how they said, like, their stories from the past. I, in my opinion, I want to kind of see that more often in this generation. Um, what do y'all think? Like, how do you think land music is evolving? Wow. I think I'll go, I'll go first. I, I'll say that um, um, I think that what's interesting about what's happening right now is it's influencing other markets of music. So it's not just Latino music for Latino people. It's for everyone now. I feel like people are starting to recognize that more and more beyond just like reggaeton. Um, and I think that um, the influence of like even featuring um, Hispanic artists in uh, English speaking music um, is just like a foot in the door, especially into recording labels that are record labels that are uh, bigger and more well known in the U.S., but also ab abroad in other countries. And um, I think that what's also interesting is just the way that it's influencing different genres like you get it in hip hop. You get it in rock, pop, in any other genre, indie even. Like, mm -hmm. you you really get um, that influence now, um, especially um, recently. And I think that that's only going to continue to grow as people start to realize that a lot of the beats that they kind of appropriated were actually, you know, from Afro-Latinos and from our communities. And so, you know, now that is being, you know, more, it's, it's seen more often, you know. me uh so i think like brian said like most of these beats most of these um you know songs that they make it's it they're they're based from generations that have passed and then and not just in reggaeton but like in you know hip-hop and um rap most artists um are leaning towards more using their music as as a as a how do you say it? like a stage as a stage to to portray what's going on in you know in the U.S. and that's where hip hop's mostly hit. Um, some artists make it for top ten charts, you know, Billboard one hundred. That's what they try to shoot for. But some don't shoot for that. Some actually really put the time and focus into um, putting meaningful lyrics in their music. Um, one notable, I would say, would probably be uh, that's a hip hop would be uh, Kendrick. He does that well. Um, and reggaeton, I mean, uh, you got Bad Bunny again. I bring up Bad Bunny because he, <laughs> he is one of the main ones that has been pushing that a lot in this generation. Uh, you can't go anywhere. He he literally opened up. He opened um, the Grammy ceremony. You know, he, he was there and he did his songs there. With African culture, too. Exactly. And so um, having, you know, a, a Latino artist open up at the Grammys is huge because you don't see that much. And then he also won a Grammy that year, too. Um, so you can see the importance that's, that is um, being influenced here in, in, in the United States as well and then around the world because uh, his music has been in top charts for, for months now. So, Any other opinions? Um, I, just, I guess I wanted to mention how more modern-day like, artists, I'm thinking Bad Bunny, Mike Towers, and like Rao, even Rao Alejandro, how they're bringing back... like with their reggaeton singles they they'll sample like a salsa song and they're even teaching like our like our generation kind of like those iconic like salsa or merengue or bachata anything that the sample is um it's just it's so interesting like how they bring the sample in and you remember that you look it up in Spotify and you're like oh okay and then you start listening to the salsa song and like it has worked 
Um, at least people that I know like have started listening to, to more salsa or bachata because of that. So I, I think it's pretty cool what modern day like artists are doing to kind of keep that part of our, like our culture and music alive. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. No, yeah, um, definitely. Um, I just find that, you know, I wanted to ask that question because as a DJ, it's always interesting to see, like, what people are like, you know, during this age. And so, um, you know, what I notice in today's uh, generation is that, you know, we're going more into the trendy, um, you know, I, I want to say, like, not Mm, what do I want to say like more trap style beats and more house type beats hi-hats more electronics mm -hmm. in there um you know less of the traditional like drums and things like that um I'm noticing that it's not a bad thing but I'm just noticing how you know it's evolving away from the traditional oh you go into the studio and you just bring instruments um, now it's just like, oh, I download it, you know, electronically and then just put it in there. And yeah, yeah, it's so, no. Yeah. And that's like it's re really real. Um, and uh, I mean, what I'm trying to get at is that I do want to see m more variety in our Latin music. Um, I do want to see, you know, there's our reggaeton artists. There's our, uh, I guess, uh, dembo artists now. I do want to see, like, you know, more popular bachata artists now, uh, more popular salsa, cumbia artists, because I don't want to have that, those genres of music be left behind, you know. Yeah, sampling's cool. Sampling's great. I love sampling. Like, one, once I hear a sample in a song, and, you know, it's that song that I used to listen to, oh, my God, I get so excited. Um, but I do want to bring those genres back. Like, you know, I don't want to, like them to die i don't want them to die um so yeah that's where i'm getting at with that so that goes um, into my question uh you know seeing how music is evolving how can we celebrate afro latinidad in the current music today with using the current music today i say bring in more artists that identify as that yeah. bring them more um let them express themselves let them come in and, and use their ideas don't let uh, music labels to manipulate their original ideas. I feel like bringing in what they have and their personality into will will trickle into the music industry, and other artists will be comfortable to come out and say, "Hey, like I want a person. I want to bring my music as well, and not be scared. Like, oh, this music label is gonna uh, change my music up and change my ideas up. Like, no, this is my originality. Like, I'm bringing my originality to the table, and I don't want to be changed up. Um, and so, I feel like giving the opportunity to people like that." Um, is huge because we don't one you don't lose the originality of their person that they put into that music um that it be drums or whatever they want to use um because we see a lot now that a lot of artists um, they have their ideas but the music level is like no we don't want that because that's not going to make sales well we don't care about that we want to put our music out and if we love it we love it and we don't care we shouldn't have restrictions on these artists that's what that's why I that's want to so valid too because and it usually only takes like one artist to break the ice for it to be like oh okay so i can make a merengue song aka like bad bunny with the poder playa like when has a trap artist reggaeton artist been able to do a merengue song and actually have it go viral that's never been done before but it just takes one artist to do it break the ice and then other artists start getting inspired like they want to showcase other sides of their culture that isn't just like reggaeton or like um 
So no, I definitely I agree with that. Brian. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it has to do with at least for us, you know, playing that music, playing the old music and, you know, music that maybe you didn't listen to mm-hmm. uh, as a child but your parents did and you like wanted them to change, you know. <laughs> but um but you know, it's just kind of connecting to your roots a little bit and connecting um to what has influenced everything we see today. Um, and playing that music, introducing that music to other people, because when you spread it, then that's when it becomes popular. That's when it, um, people start seeing the value in it. Um, I think that's the first. I think that's the first step. But I think artists are only going to continue to to bring back that influence. The music's not going to go away. It's not going to go any away anytime soon. Um, so I'm not worried about that for sure. But also, yeah. if you want to like celebrate Afro Latinidad, you should stop by Create Center Centro events. We also do that sometimes. Yes. And we play that type of music too. So we do. We have sure. playlists. Great playlist, by the way. <laughs> from from our great friend uh, Samantha Texeda. <laughs> she uh she's great. All right, everyone. Uh thank you for joining us for this podcast uh once again for February. Um I hope you enjoyed learning about Afro Latinidad and music, um and enjoyed hearing us uh speak. Uh please stop by El Centro. Um we're here Monday through Friday um from nine AM to five PM, seven PM, seven PM. <laughs> um and yeah, stop by, listen to our music, hang out with us. Anyway, I hope you have a great rest of your day. <laughs>